Welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello and welcome to, Kimberly. what do we call this again? Finance Friday Club. Finance Friday Club. Yeah. Correct. Welcome. Um, we have a very special guest today, which is my accountant, Greg. Yeah. Hi, Greg. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. So the reason I wanted to get you on is because there was a mastermind recently in the AFM group. And it made me realize the discrepancy between different accountants and what different people will tell you you can or can't put through in terms of tax expenses. So I thought we'd go through like a couple of questions that personal trainers have, what is and what isn't allowed. And then I think fundamentally, and Kimberly and I were just talking about this before you came on, who, where does the buck lie? Like, let's do a hypothetical situation here, right? I put something through my accounts, which technically isn't tax deductible. Is it me that gets in trouble or is it you? Cause you're my accountant. So I generally speaking, it's the taxpayer that is responsible for what they put through. So if you say to the accountant, this is all my stuff and it looks right. And you know, all the reasonable checks have been done, then it's really you that's misleading as such, but if you discuss it and you think it's a great area and you decide to go for it anyway, it's then it, it's a, the accountant can give the best advice that you possibly can. But if you still decide that you want to put it through, then yeah, it, it is really down to the, the, the person who's, whose money it is to, to make the right decision on that. As you say, it's called self-assessment for that very reason you're self-assessing. Ah, I see. The, the clue is in your right? name. Yeah. That does make sense. So when people, because you hear this a lot from personal trainers, my accountant lets me put through this my accountant lets me put through that and I'm always like because I obviously I work with you and you've explained that to me like it doesn't really matter what your accountant quote-unquote lets you put through if you know if you get found out then it comes back to you not your accountant yeah absolutely I mean I've, I've had that in the gym as well people come up to me and go oh would you let me put through this and I was like well it's up to you no no it's my accountant's fault if he gets found out and I'm like I'm just going to leave that one. No, that's 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 not really anything to do with him. If you want to put through uh, X, Y, and Z or whatever, and uh, if anybody ever asked to see your books and you've seen that, like, you can't just go, oh, but the accountant let me. No, that's it's, it's your responsibility to make sure that it's right. Okay, okay, right. So some of the common questions on this. In fact, someone wanted to know, if you know any, what lesser known things can be claimed on tax as expenses? Lesser known is an interesting one. Um, so you, you kind of get your your basic things, I guess. You got like your mobile phone. What do you guys use? Like my PT Hub or True Coach or whatever it is. Mm. Um, that kind of thing. That's obviously quite well known. You then got I don't know some sort of marketing courses like AFM, maybe EIQ, virtual assistants, that kind of thing. In terms of lesser known stuff, I mean. There's quite a lot of complicated stuff in use of home as office. Like everybody will, almost everyone who's a personal trainer will have their home as an office. You can claim for that. There's like a basic way of claiming it, something like £20 a month. Or you can make it, if you have a particular room that's just for doing your books and your calls and your you know client check-ins or whatever, there is a way that you can claim 
quite a lot of expenses for heating and lighting and things like that um, on that. But it has to be, it's quite, it's quite complex. Like it has to be, that room's only used for that. It's not used for anything else. You can't hang your washing up in it and that kind of stuff. It's got to be for that particular thing. Um, it's quite a complex thing, but generally speaking, they give you what they call simplified ex expenses where you can go, right, well, if you use that, if you work at home, you can claim 18 pounds a month or you can do this. And it's much the same as car mileage. We can do 45 pence a mile instead of claiming the fuel and the insurance and the tax and all that kind of stuff. And will that change due to like cost of living? Will that go up? Do you think we're going to get 19 pounds a week, a month or whatever it is? Um, it hasn't changed since, how nearly is this? It hasn't changed since 2013. So I'm going to say probably not. So with inflation, we're, we're not getting anything for our home offices anymore. Bloody this is outrageous. Shocking. Um, a question on that. Can you claim for each business? <laughs> um, you could. I'm not sure it would be correct to do so because it's the same room, isn't it? But theoretically if yeah, you it's had a, it's a different business with different <laughs> expenses that are used i was going to get there i was going to get there hold on, okay, hold on. Okay. <laughs> it's essentially how they do the simplified ones is the amount of hours that you work in that business for that particular thing so if you could theoretically split it out and prove that then i don't see any reason why not actually and what about driving to the gym like if you're an in-person personal trainer if you're driving to your place of work, does that count? Driving to your place of work, generally speaking, is a no. If you're driving, because driving to your place of work, for someone who's employed, they can get expenses for driving to a client, perhaps. Like if you're an accountant, you work for an accountant firm. If you're driving to a client and back, you get charged for that. Driving to and from work generally is not allowed because you're going to have to do that to do your work anyway. If you go to different gyms, like multiple different gyms in Dundee or wherever it is, then yes, you get away with it. If you go to the same place all the time, probably not. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, next question. Actually, one thing I wanted to say about tax, because I remember you telling me this. In fact, I think you tell me this every time. I'm like, oh, this looks like a lot of money. I don't want to pay. And it's just a very simple line, but I think it, it really helps people get their head around paying tax. And that is the more money you earn, the more tax you pay. So suck it up, which is usually what you say to me. And I think realizing that actually the reason it's so painful to pay tax is because of loss aversion, as in once you have something, it hurts so much more to lose it than if you never had it, right? So like actually realistically, you know, personal trainers will complain or like business owners will complain, but like we all pay tax. It's just normally you don't see it. Like you don't have the money and then it's taken away from you. When you already have something that's taken away, it's more painful than never having it at all. And it just coming up on your pace that like, this is how much went mm -hmm. on tax. So I thought that was very useful that you tell me. Well, thank you. I, I like to be useful. That's definitely, yeah. But it, it is, I mean, if you don't earn any money, you're not going to pay any tax. So you won't pay any tax, but the amount you earn, that's why it's a good idea to put it away as you earn it. Or you can set up, here's, here's what is, is a good one. You can set up a standing order with HMRC and pay weekly or monthly the tax in advance. So that if you pay, you know, 20 quid a week or whatever, that's a thousand pounds at the end of the year that you can put against the tax that is due. Um, that's something that I tell people, people go, no, no, I don't need to do that. And you come to the end of the year and go, oh my God, I'm due how much? What now? Like, well, did, did yeah. kind of warn you, you know? <laughs> 
I think that's um, Greg, point. Oh, sorry, sorry go, go ahead, Kimberly. No, I was just going to ask. So, Greg, when do... So I think, especially within fitness, I think a lot of people maybe start it as a side hustle. So let's be honest, stuff is cash, right? And then it kind of happens gradually. So when... I think a lot of people go, well, I've only earned, I don't know, five grand, 10 grand, whatever it is, a year. I don't need an accountant. But obviously that's potentially on top of a full-time salary or they've got other things going on. When, but I get that there's a, probably a mindset thing of day one of starting a business, you're probably not going to pay for an accountant. When along that journey of starting out, when does somebody need to invest in an accountant? Is it from day one to get everything in order? It feels like it's too soon. Is it year one? Year two? Is it when you're making a certain amount of money? Like when would you want somebody in an ideal world to invest in an accountant? I'm going to try and verge away from what I expect people think I'm going to say, which is like day one, because I get in, I'll get your money straight away. That, that's not really how I think it should work. Theoretically, I think you should come and see somebody right at the start and go, right, this is what I'm doing, or this is what I'm already doing, or this is what I'm waiting to do. What's the best way of making my life the easiest? Because that, that's essentially what it comes down to. I mean, tax is almost unavoidable to a certain extent but you should want it to make it so easy so that everybody's not flying around in December and January trying to put the receipts from the shoebox uh, into the accountant so I think day one providing you're not being charged an exorbitant amount to go and speak to somebody you should go right you should do this you should keep a spreadsheet or you should get Sage or Zero or QuickBooks or something like that link it to your bank make it all very easy and if you have any questions speak to somebody now a lot of people don't want to do that because they go oh my god he's going to charge me 500 quid for a conversation which can happen in, not in my case, in some other cases, that's absolutely fine. So there is a lot of a lot of people out there who want to help and not take the piss. So I think find them, me for instance, I'm quite happy to have a conversation with somebody say, this is what I think you should do. This is how I think you should do it um, and go from there. But a lot of people want to leave it until the end and that's fine. Um, it's very difficult then to go back in time and say, oh, you should have done this or you should have had your mobile in the business name or you should have done this, but I could have told you that at the start. So it's yep. a personal choice. I appreciate people don't want or, or they're really scared about people telling them something they don't want to hear or how difficult it's going to be or whatever. The main thing with a side hustle, as you say, is it's going over and above the top of your employment income. So it may well be taxed at a higher rate than you anticipate, for instance, because... Um, it's all taxed on your gross employment income taxed on your gross not your net so it may take you into a higher band than you may have thought because you go oh, I only get two grand in my hand each month but actually you're being paid three and a half if you know what I mean so yeah uh, yeah that is an interesting point I think you also get to the point because I've definitely been here as well where you're like oh it's such a mess that I don't know where to start or like I don't want to go back to using I don't know like a wouldn't it be random if I started using QuickBooks now a year and a half in or whatever and it's like well you have to start at some point and it will be messy initially and that's actually where both of these people have come in very helpful to me is like kind of (laughs) trying to tidy that up somewhat and keep an eye on everything um and I think it can be quite scary because you often hear these horror stories kind of like what you were just talking about Greg where you know, you might say, oh, put away a little bit every week and then, you know, you'll have enough to pay your tax at the end of the year. And people don't. And then they're suddenly like, I've come up with like this huge tax bill that I wasn't expecting. And it's like, why on earth were you not expecting it? 
like you should of course you should have been expecting something like it's always related to how much you've earned right so if you can do just basic maths and put away 20 percent ish then you know you're going to be in a very good position to do that but it shouldn't really be a surprise at the end of the year and you always hear these horror stories and then I think that makes people quite scared of tax or scared of looking at their accounts or scared of like getting an accountant or like I don't know opening an account or blah 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 which means they just bury their head in the sand and it makes it even worse because they hear of someone else who's been you know I got this huge tax bill I wasn't expecting it's like it's very rare that there's a like legitimate reason that you shouldn't have been expecting that tax bill and I guess the other point is with online coaches especially or in person you're in a very um good position in terms of what you should be in terms of cash flow like you're not buying a product to then sell a product. You're not like waiting for, I don't know, like something to sell before you then get the money back from the investment that you've made. Like it's a very profit margin heavy business that we're in. Thus you should, you know, there's no real reason why you shouldn't have the money there to pay the tax if you're sensible. I totally agree. And I think a lot of people then, once you've been in it, a year or two where people start to dread January because they go, oh no, that's when I do my accounts. And well, you don't have to. <laughs> you can do it from the 6th of April. You could literally have your accounts done the 6th of April and then have nine months to pay it. Mm. But if you choose, well, my accountant didn't remind me. So, oh, my accountant doesn't wipe your arse away as well. Like you have, you know when it, the year end ends. This is for self-employed people. Limited income is slightly different. Self-employed end, year end ends on the 5th of April and then you have until the 31st of January to do the, do the return and pay the tax. You could have that done very early and then choose to pay up over nine months. Anything divided by nine is obviously a lot less than not divided by nine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Right, I'll go through some of these questions. Um, Actually, one of them was the one Kimberly just asked, so we've done that one. Okay, here's a good one. Should I be a sole trader or LLP? What's LLP? Is that the same yeah. as limited company so uh, limited company would traditionally be l lima tango delta ltd yeah. llp is limited liability partnership i'm not sure mm. why that would come up at the same time because generally speaking limited liability partnerships is for two plus people limited liability partnership is very similar to a limited company except they've got more complex rules about profit sharing and things like that um, let's just go with this question being sole trader or limited company yeah, yeah, I think that's that's sensible because that's the, the thing that comes up the most often, I guess. Um, so sole trade really is essentially so. Start, try the, I'll start the other way. Limited company means the word limited means you have limited liability. The main reason for that is that you've got the limited company is a separate legal entity from yourself. So when you make a limited company, you become a director and a shareholder usually. And then you're essentially employed by the limited company to do the job. So the limited company is like your boss in inverted commas. So you're not actually a sole trader anymore. You're not self-employed. You're actually an employee of the limited company. That's the main difference because the limited company has essentially limited liability, whereas the sole trade, you essentially have unlimited liability. Um, so that if anything goes wrong, for instance, or whatever, people can come to get you for the full extent of what you physically own in your own name Lim limited companies are very difficult to do that um and then i guess when you're a personal trainer and thinking about this initially it does make sense to be a sole trader right 
because yeah. anything within a limited company, you're paying 19% at the moment, right? Corporation tax. Yeah. Whereas as a sole trader for the first, whatever it is, 11 and a half thousand tax-free and then lower tax and then higher tax, whatever. So it, it usually, and again, this depends on the individual's circumstance, but it usually becomes sensible to start a company when you're earning what, over 50 60k or depending on how much personal income you want greg's probably laughing because i don't like a lot of personal income <laughs> but like depending on the level at which you want it you know if you're starting to earn 100k a year you may not want to keep all that and pay all the tax on it you may want to keep some in a business and then pay yourself what you need absolutely i think i think 50 60 is probably fair maybe slightly less um they are kind of closing down the the, the tax benefit, how am I going to say that? Um, the tax efficiencies of a limited company because they are increasing the corporation tax up to 25% after then saying they would scrap it, but we'll not get into the politics of that right at the minute. Um, but essentially, yeah, anything from kind of 30, 40K upwards, I'd be considering going limited company at that worst. And that's profit we're talking about, not, not sales. Um, and so, yeah, limited companies are traditionally more tax efficient because you pay a corporation tax at higher rates I'm talking about, you pay a corporation tax and you've got a reduced amount of tax to pay via dividends and then you can take your, your small salary there as well. Um, there is just, there's slight differences on expenses, usually with cars. Cars can get a bit complicated in limited companies, but we'll try and keep this to a kind of a generic sense, if you know what I mean. Um, I would say, yeah, up to 30, 40, 50,000 maybe, sole trade is sensible after that you're starting to get to where you're dealing with a lot of people for instance or there's a lot of things going on it's a good idea to try and get yourself some safety and some better profit margin something like that would be a good idea to go limited company at that time in my personal opinion and then when you get past that and you're hitting on like 85k a year that threshold is that still 85k a year yeah. Yeah. Um, what about then? Like, I know as a personal trainer, a trainer, you can go in at flat rate back. Is that something you would suggest? I think so. Generally, because personal trainers tend not to have that many expenses that are vatable to say. So instead of paying, the thing is, you've got to charge the VAT as well. So you probably need to increase your prices at that time if you haven't already, because you're either you increase your prices at 20% or you're then losing money essentially by giving it, giving the, the 20% to the government. So flat rate is usually, I think it's eight or 9%, something like that. So that's See, a big difference. I think it's 12. It's 12, right. Okay, don't sorry. fit into like there's certain categories and, and personal trainer isn't one. And then you have to go into quote unquote other, which is 12%. Mm. Yeah. There's so, quite I mean, it's, it's still a lot better than 20%. And I guess the limitations there are you can't claim anything back on VAT. But as you said, there's very little that personal trainers tend to claim on VAT anyway. And then this is a really hard place for a personal trainer because if you're, you know, if you want to stay competitive and you don't want to overcharge your clients and it can, you know, it can kind of push people over the edge of like, oh, if I'm increasing my rates by 20% or even 12%, that actually might negatively impact my business and mean that my clients can't afford me anymore. Or if you're trying to do it, maybe at a time like this where there's a cost of living crisis and you're like oh it's, I just need to increase by this little bit more but that little bit more 
really isn't suitable for your clients, like that can have a big impact. So I think like, for example, with the EC method, I think Chloe and I just bit the bat um, and didn't increase our prices when we hit that threshold. And like, yeah, it's not the most fun thing in the world, especially if you can't go in at flat rate bat. So if you're earning or if your business is making, is it more than 150,000 that year? You can't register at flat rate. Yeah, that's right. And then as soon as you're making more than something like 250,000, you have to move up to 20%. Are you impressed? I, I am genuinely sitting here going, well, I'll just take all the words out. That's fine. I'll not speak. <laughs> what, I would, yeah. what I would say about flat rate, if I can just come in for a minute, they have made different rules in the last couple of years about if your expenses are so small in terms of IVATable expenses, they will not actually allow you to go into the flat rate scheme now due to the, the amount of money that can be lost by HMRC in between, you know, the 12 and the 20%. So if you're thinking about it, please get some advice or something, because obviously you don't want to be caught out by that and then have to pay the bulk back of it and then be subject to that kind of stuff. So, yeah. See, that would be a situation where I would accept a surprising tax bill. because you. Yes, I, that, that would be genuine. a surprise. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and then obviously thoughts of moving to dubai to avoid tax as you can you can do as you wish um doesn't sound very moral to me if you're not living there but i'm sure we've all got thoughts on that but if you're genuinely going over there and you're going to work and live out there and stuff like that no problem but hearing about this people saying they're working out there when they're not and all that kind of stuff doesn't really sit very well with me personally but um just to um because this is another kind of thing that a lot of people say well well like i'm i'm doing it and i'm getting away with it right but isn't it true that you can quote unquote get away with it and then when you try to come back to the uk they can be like oh you know the last five years that you were living in dubai and all your clients were in the uk and your bank account was in the uk and actually you still had a property in the uk and you spent more than 30 days in the uk you need to pay tax for the for the last five years that can happen right yeah absolutely um in the previous jobs I, I used to work in used to come across what they call investigations all the time and they can go back they can pretty much choose it's up to about five years so if they decide that you've you've or you if they come across the information that you've you've done it and they want to try and do something with it they then decide whether or not you meant to do it or whether you did it um you know by mistake and that whether you meant to do it deliberately or were fraudulent or anything like that will then put on a percentage of penalty that they'll add on to the tax that you're due plus interest etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's not something that you want to be caught to move my business over to dubai <laughs> i didn't realize what i was doing it was yeah completely, completely slipped my mind i did that um, just dazzled me yeah. yeah okay interesting um oh another question that's kind of related to this or more like tax efficiency we'll call it is an online and face-to-face pt business too similar to be split into two businesses to avoid that um as as a lot of things which is very boring i'm afraid it it really it depends on what it is if it's face-to-face and you're doing physical in the gym stuff it's fine if you're online and you're doing something that is entirely separate like giving advice or doing coaching that's not in the gym it's it's tough it would have to be 
an individual analysis of the situation to see what exactly is done in person and what exactly is done online to give a, a competent answer. As I say, I think it would depend. It's very much a in the middle of black and white. It's like grey area, I would say. Um, yes, it, it, it depends. I think I'll stick with it depends. Um, if you have more information on that, you want to send me it, go for it. I'll have a look at it. I'll give you my opinion. But um, I would tend to verge on the area of caution and say, no, it's not different enough, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Mm. I think if you were going to do it, you'd need to make it like distinctly different as in things that they'll look at is like, is it the same website to apply for one-to-one in-person versus one-to-one online? Like, you know, if it kind of is the same website, the same social media platform, the same bank account like that would all kind of be like red flags if you're like this is significantly different service then yeah no I'm not HMRC but I feel like that you might be able to sort of claim that that's different enough absolutely websites bank accounts as you say social media all stuff that can be very easily checked if someone wants to do a quick going like all right these two people have got the same name and different bank accounts and different profits what's going on here it's over it's over the bat threshold let's have a look if it's very easy to say looks like the same person to me it's a no it's not different mm. um kimberly any questions i realize i've been hogging the mic um i think um no i don't i think okay, I've i probably got, have a lot but no i've got a couple more here um one is can i put through physio as an expense so interestingly enough, I was reading about something very similar to this yesterday. I think I spoke to you about it. Um, I think, generally speaking, I would say no. Um, there was there was something that went through the courts through a stuntman who had a sore knee, and then his knee gave up him in an onset, and he was allowed to. Um, it went through a tribunal and everything, but he was allowed to keep the expense of the private knee surgery on his tax return because he physically failed to do his job because of that particular thing. And because his job is relevant to that, he was allowed to do it. Physio for PTs, I think is, generically, you would have a dual purpose to that, whereas it would allow you to live the rest of your life as well, which dual purpose or duality of purpose usually means it's a no. Um, If you can prove that it would stop you from doing your job, you may well be able to get away with it but as I say if you put it through and someone asks the question then obviously you've got to answer it but if if you put it through and it's not questioned then you know that there's a, there's an assumption that it's, it's not going to be asked in the future but I as I say I would say it, it, it depends that it's, it's another it's another great area where I'm not going to say yes definitely yes definitely not but it, I think it would really much depend on the is the person doing all one-on-ones is it, is it sometimes online is it all online if it's all online then no but if it's one-to-ones and it's going to stop you from doing one-to-ones it's a it's an argument you know Mm. yeah it is I mean I remember us having this discussion about back surgery and you were like you you'd have to argue what percentage you use of your back for work and what percentage you use for personal life and it's like Yeah. yeah and I guess with things like that you're gonna I don't know you could argue that like that might be something where we were kind of talking about before like you didn't mean that to be like you could claim it either way right it would be a bit of a discussion point to be had so I don't know if you'd get like taken to jail for something like that but you might just get 
hey, actually, you do need to pay the tax on that money. Yeah, no, um, they're not going to throw you in jail for that. No. Yeah. No. So another interesting thing that came up in the mastermind was after we'd been discussing this for a while, and I realized like how different different people's experiences were with their accountants. And I guess also what was interesting is how little was explained to people of like actually where the buck buys and hey, you can put this stuff through, but I'm recommending you don't as a professional in this situation. But like really your accounts are up to you. Yeah. Um what and then I asked, does anybody know anyone who's been investigated? Now touch wood because I don't want to jinx myself here. <laughs> Greg's sweating. Um but like is how common is it? And like do it do certain things like is there red flags that pop up? Like like if I don't know, you always have you know, you always put in twelve thousand pounds a year for the last 10 years of business and it's like oh interesting that you always put in like minimal amount of of money to be not paying tax on or something like is there things that would kind of pop up as bits of red flags so i would say generally not but there was back when i used to work in accounts what i did a lot of was helping people who had entered into a tax avoidance scheme which was legal at the time and then Jimmy Carr, Gary Barlow and all that all started coming out of the woodwork and HMRC just jumped on this. Um, and if when you did tax avoidance scheme, you had to tick a box on your ta- self-assessment tax return to say that you were in taking in a tax avoidance scheme. Now, if that's not a red flag, then I've, I've never seen one and I've seen a lot of them, <laughs> personal and otherwise. Um, so I wouldn't say no, generally not. But what you've got to remember is HMRC especially if you are um, employed and self-employed, if you're doing the side hustle or whatever, HMRC have access to how much you've earned as a salary already. So if you don't get that right, or if you try to under-declare that, they'll know. Um, and they'll just automatically adjust the tax return and say, right, you got it wrong. This is what it actually is. Um, things like that. A lot of so the stuff that we saw with um, if people are self-employed through lockdown with the SEI, SS loans. If you get that wrong, they just add that on and stuff like that. But Generally speaking, they don't really have a right to say that that account, that expense isn't right because they can't possibly know because all they have is like maybe a sentence describing what you do. Like your tax return will say, you know, your name, <clears throat> what it is that you do. And that could be as simple as like PT or personal trainer or whatever. So they don't really have any right to say, no, that's not right. What they can do is go, we're not sure about that. What we're going to do is we're going to ask you, we're going to put an investigation on you. But it is, I would say it's very rare but then as soon as you say that touch yeah. to something happens <laughs> so it's just i don't really want to say too much about it but no i would say it's rare i've never come across one with my clients thankfully um so i would say it's rare yeah 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 i mean it, the other thing that i find really hard about hmrc is i remember opening esg properties and you need a, a special number right like your business number comes under a certain category and I was pretty sure that I'd got it wrong. So anyway, I emailed them and I was like, I think I've opened this with the wrong, like under the wrong business number. And anyway, they basically came back and said, because I kind of probed them for a while. So I was like, are you actually saying that you cannot tell me what's right, but if it's wrong, you'll penalize me for it. And they were like, yes. yeah, I can't advise you. Mm-hmm. You need to know this stuff yourself. I'm like, how on earth would I know? That's why I'm asking HMRC to tell me. So it's like, if you, you know, you have to try and get it right without us telling you how to get it right. But if you get it wrong, then you're going to get in big trouble for that. Absolutely. But it doesn't then, seem uh, fair. 
No, it, it doesn't, but they, they definitely don't have the manpower to be advising every person. Um, if you try and get through to the self-assessment hotline in January, you'll, you'll understand you'll be on the phone for two or three hours. But I remember in my old job, I used to have to phone, to see, you used to be able to phone and get advice on particular things, right? And the first thing HMRC would ask you is, what's the business name? You go, nah, <laughs> nah, I'm not, I'm not telling you who I'm calling from so that you can go, oh, wait, they were asking for advice. Oh, let's just go and have a look at their stuff. No, that's Oh, not. <laughs> that is interesting. Okay, so I've got one last question here, which is, where do I go to educate myself about tax and money? I've no idea where to start. Um, it's something that I think is a, is a big breach. Like, I personally think it should be taught at schools which I'm pretty sure I said that anyway so I don't have anything for that I know as a very very basic uh, Martin Lewis who everybody should know hopefully did do a textbook but it's, it's for like like 16 year old school leaving children but still a reasonable it's, it's really basic but it's still like <laughs> I know you're laughing but it is really basic but for some people like if you if you're not taught this stuff there is no way you can know it you can't really just learn how an investment works or how not to get your head around a mortgage for the first time. Mortgage is just a loan, but it, so, so it does describe a lot of basic stuff. It's called Your Money Matters. And if you type in Your Money Matters and Martin Lewis on Google, you'll find it. It's like 150 pages. So there's a lot to it, but there's different sections. Some of it's quite useful. Some of it's a bit like, yeah, okay, I know that. But there isn't, I wouldn't say there is a good resource for going right. I want to know something really like, what can I put through? as you know how much income can I earn as a self-employed how much what what expenses can I put through things like that that is generally probably deliberately by accounts not put out there so that they can continue to to charge people it's my cynical view on that yeah Kimberly have you started reading the psychology of money yet I have it's really good right yeah I feel like it's gonna take more than one read but yes <laughs> Yeah, no, it, yeah, I thought it was a really, really good book. Um, so I would recommend that, but it doesn't go right back to the the basics. Um, so you'll probably have to do a little bit of, yeah, this and that. Um, there was something I was going to say when you were talking, now I can't remember. I think, so a comparison I like to make with this, because whenever I talk to Jordan about investments, I think a lot of people think there's like a right or wrong here and same with like what you do with your when you become a sole trader or a business or like how you want to run your books or how much you want to pay yourself and all this it's kind of similar to when a like a client comes to you and is like what should my calories be and you're like well, I don't know what your goal is or how much you move or you know what your preference is or if you've dieted before if you're you know used to have binge eating disorder like I don't know anything about you so I couldn't possibly say and it's kind of the same with like what should I invest in well that absolutely depends on like what your risk appetite is should you be investing at all do you have dependents like how long do you want to put this money away do you need this money short term in which case probably hold it in cash do you do you want to put it away for 10 years in which case there's a load of other options for you there's just so many things that come into it and I think I think people start very much like how people probably think about diet like what diet should I eat and you're like well <laughs> there's loads of stuff I need to talk to you about to figure out what the right diet for you is same with what you should do with your money but the more that you can educate yourself about this and actually something Emil told me that really stuck with me was when I first got a financial advisor 
he was quite anti it and he was like there's one thing that you will have to do for the rest of your life and that is look after your money no one's going to do it better than you and you should learn how to do it yourself and like I learned a lot from that financial advisor and never actually ended up like using him long term and I I think he's probably right on that in that this is something you're going to have to do for life so actually investing in understanding it is a really good idea same with your nutrition right like actually you're gonna have to feed yourself for the rest of your life so actually taking the time to learn about that stuff a very good use of time i was just thinking i agree um, sorry go go on okay sorry sorry. basics um go on Sorry, we've got a little delay here. Oh my God, oh my God. Right, right sorry. You, you right. start and then Kimberly can finish off. She was asking about basics. Uh, yes. Your basics would be, right now, 12 and a half grand is personal allowance. You don't pay any tax until you earn 12 and a half grand as a sole trader, right? Absolute basic. You do pay tax after, sorry, you do pay national insurance after nine and a half thousand. So between nine and a half and 12 and a half, you'll pay national insurance only. But until 12 and a half, you won't pay any tax at all. It depends on whether you're in Scotland or England, but there is different bans, et cetera, et cetera. You will then pay 20 to 21% up to about 40, 45K, and then it goes up from there. So that's the suggestion that you should make a limited company at that time because you want to avoid the 40% tax bracket. That would be a very basic overview on what to think about. Yeah, agreed. Um, Kimberly. I was just going to say, so I've had, and I think it's like end of year vibes. I've had quite a few conversations with people the last couple of days, um, really in the Christmas spirit, um, of people going, oh, I really need to start thinking about this. And it's like, I guess it's how like you kind of say the best time to start doing this was probably a year ago, but the second best time is now. And whether or not that's, I kind of almost think, some people that have maybe had a year or two in business, it's okay to like start from scratch. Like what, what's done is done, but that doesn't, like you have to not bury your head in the sand. You have to take control of it. A bit like calories and dieting and movement and all that. So it's exactly the same as getting to know it. And you're only gonna get more comfortable by doing it, by actually having an hour with an accountant or an hour call with a pensions advisor and sitting down and actually making, a, you know, I will send you a spreadsheet, having a spreadsheet of these are all my clients. This is what they pay me. This is the date they pay me on. This is everything that I have to spend on my business, whether it's 10.99 for Canva or a hundred pound for Trainerize or whatever it is. And that will obviously, like say on AFM, we want people to have a values-based business, but to drive your, you, you know, you have to, be making money you have to know what's coming in you have to know what's going out and it's not you know seedy and grubby and sleazy like you know you do want to make money and it's not the only marker of success like scale weight isn't the only marker of success of a diet but actually to know that you can have financial freedom to do whatever that is that you want and that isn't you know it'll be a different amount of money for you than it will be for me and for Greg like, it's going to be personalized to you but the sooner you create a spreadsheet know what's coming in know what's going out set up a business bank account you can make it easier on yourself but you have to like you have to start and I know that sounds really basic but you do you just have to do it now just make you know get a call with an accountant get a call with a 
pensions advisor just to it can be quite sobering for somebody to go oh actually if you want this in retirement you'd probably need to put 700 pounds a month away whatever it is and if you're putting nothing away the if you know if you don't want to put 750 pound away that's fine but why don't we compromise and let's put 300 pound and it's all the like you know the stuff that you need to do now for next year and maybe five years and unfortunately 25 years but like just get a spreadsheet sit down get to grips with what's coming in what's going out your client numbers who they like all that stuff is part of running a business and for some people it doesn't it's not fun and it doesn't come naturally and that's why there are people to help you and ultimately do it for you but I do think there's a real importance of before I have a lot of people say to me oh here's my can you kind of and I of course I can make it look amazing and make it ordered but you should probably know roughly what tax bracket you're in and how much salary you can pay yourself um because that all comes with running a business um and as Greg was saying, it's a great advertisement for Finance Friday Club. There isn't really anywhere to go to get this information. So we're going to deliver it for you. Oh, nailed it. And also, <laughs> as you were talking, I came up with little uh, recommendations for you both. But I will say I kind of hate that kind of stuff. But I love looking at my spreadsheet that Kimberly sends me once a month. Like I only look at it once a month. Then I'm like, cool, this is how this month has been actually here's where I need to make some changes here's where you know like why isn't that going so well or, or wow that one is really going well and I just look at it once a month and that's it so you don't have to become like obsessed with this stuff but I think the key is understand it before you outsource it because no point Kimberly sending me that and I'm like I don't really even know what's going on here understand it and then be like hey there's someone better at me sorry better than me at doing this I'm gonna outsource it and and that brings me a lot of joy um and then secondly, you will probably, when you start learning more about money, learning more about your accounts, your taxes, like even like that book, The Psychology of Money, like really how money works, things like inflation, you will be more confused for a period of time, right? Same as when you start figuring out about diet and you're like, oh, right. Like, first of all, you, you get into, it, you're like, oh, it's just a calorie deficit. And then you're like, oh, look at all these things that impact the amount of calories that you consume. You're like, fucking hell, it's so confusing. And hey, there's so much more to health than just the amount of energy that you're consuming. Then it becomes a little bit more overwhelming, but you have to kind of go through that part of like, okay, this is like now more overwhelming and it's more confusing than I thought uh, to then come back down the other side and be like, well, this is what's relevant to me at this moment in time. And again, that will change. Because initially it might be quite simple and you might be like, cool, I understand my tax brackets. I'm going to say as a sole trader, I know how much I'm putting away for a pension. I know how much I'm saving for tax. Great. I can tick all these boxes. And then when you become a limited company or when you open your second business or when you start growing a little bit more, like other problems will occur and then you need to learn a little bit more about those. But yeah, I definitely agree. Start learning about this stuff and if you are thinking, do you know what? I probably should book a call with an accountant. I highly recommend Greg, of course. And he's very good at, the reason I like working with Greg is because he will explain things to me. And I really like things to explain to me. Like I like to understand stuff and he's very patient with that. And he's now just gone. I'm, I'm still here. I'm not really sure what's happened. But oh, right. His camera's gone. But anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I think, I think, I think, I mean, from what Kimberly's saying, I think it's absolutely spot on. And I bet 
I bet it's not as bad as you think it is. Like you might think everything is so disorganized, it's just like untenable and you can't even think about it. I know I think about that sometimes with other things as well. I bet it's not that bad. But for somebody who knows what they're doing, like Kimberly or myself or something, I bet it's not that bad. If you have a general idea of what it is and we can get access to the stuff, I bet it's not that bad. There you go. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay thank you so much for your time Greg and if people did want to contact you I'll put this in the show notes but where could they find you um what I'll do is I'll send you over my business whatsapp that's probably the easiest thing or instagram dm whatever that's fine I'll send them both okay awesome all right and as ever Kimberly thank you very much and we will see you Um, next Friday bye